Next on Contemplate. Yeah, the world's fallen. Uh-huh, it's true. There are dangers and troubles and persecutions and heartbreak and sorrows and enemies and all of that. That's true. But God is our shield. Welcome to Contemplate, a Bible teaching ministry of Pastor David Robinson and brought to you by Acts Church in Vancouver, Washington. Today we'll begin to look at Psalm 3 and what an encouragement it is. Here's Pastor David. We've been in the book of Psalms, and we've gotten through Psalm 1 and Psalm 2, and we're working through the first five Psalms in this series. And today, Lord willing, we're going to get all the way through Psalm 3. So let's start by reading the whole Psalm, and then we'll kind of get into it verse by verse. It says, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God, Selah. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill, Selah. I lay down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of 10,000s of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. Selah. David is facing what looks like to the world, to most people, impossible odds. Impossible odds. Verse 1, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many. Thousands. Thousands and thousands and thousands had betrayed David and risen up against him looking to take his life. And he's saying this to the Lord. I've never been in a situation like this, mostly because my son is nice to me, so he hasn't ever tried to take me out. I don't think. But maybe just no one will go with him. I don't know. But seriously, we have all faced difficulties and trials, right? All of us have faced difficulties and trials that seemed overwhelming all the time. That bill that you don't know how you're going to pay. Jobs that we've lost. We don't know how things are going to work out. Or we have sin that we struggle against. Or addiction or consequences from our past that we worry about. Sometimes we literally face enemies that are other people who have betrayed us or who hate us. Always we face spiritual war, trying to destroy us in our work for the kingdom of God. Now remember this. David wasn't an innocent man. He wasn't a sinless man. He wasn't Jesus. David had made some mistakes, and he had made some mistakes as a father, some pretty serious ones. If you want to go read 1 and 2 Samuel, you get a feel for some of the mistakes that David made as a father. So as he's facing Absalom, who's turned against him, at some level, some of that may have had come back to David's parenting, which is a problem. And of course, that's just like us. Sometimes our enemies and our problems are because of our own failings, because we all fail, we all fall. And yet we will see in this psalm that even even when we are, even when we have sinned, when God has forgiven us and we're in him, he's still for us. He's still protecting us. He's still taking care of us. Even when the things we face really are our own fault, God still is with us, always with us. And you'll see this with David. Verse two, many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. David is, and then say law. And say law, just so you know, is, is a term that nobody is certain what it means. So there's 
Jewish scholars, there's Christian scholars, they've tried to figure out what does Selah mean, um, and there are things named after it. Apparently, I was told there's a town in Washington named Selah. Uh, some people pronounce it differently, whatever, you know, unless you happen to know. Uh, the fact is, we don't know what it means, but some people think it might be a musical term. Remember, these are songs that were sung, um, so I've just kind of thought it probably means something like guitar solo here. <laughs> That's kind of my... Probably doesn't mean that. It probably doesn't mean that. Um, what I use it for is when I see the word Selah, uh, and you see it in the Psalms and a few times in the book of Habakkuk, it's a good time to slow down in your reading of the scripture and just sort of meditate or think about or concentrate on what you've just read. So that's a good, that's a good way for me to use it since I don't know exactly what it does mean. And there are a number of theories. I kind of use it to look back at what was there and focus on it. But David is being mocked and insulted here. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. People know David has sinned, by the way. He was a man who had to confess and repent horrible sins. Horrible sins. Confess and repent to God. But he was forgiven. As David is fleeing from Absalom, a guy named Shimei shows up and starts yelling at David and cursing him, calling him a bloodthirsty man and throwing rocks at David and his friends. And David, this was, this was not a completely unfair thing to say. David had, in fact, committed adultery with Bathsheba, who was the wife of a faithful servant of David's named Uriah. And instead of just coming clean and admitting it and so on, he had Uriah killed. There is something to the idea that David was a bloodthirsty man, that he did terrible things. But David, when he sinned, was broken before God. Broken. If you want to see a man with a broken and contrite heart, read Psalm 51. Put that in your homework. It is an incredible psalm for all of us. It had been forgiven. But Shimei is kind of like the devil. The devil's ploy is always to remind us. He's an accuser. The devil's an accuser. He's constantly accusing us. He wants us to feel shame, to feel like we're beyond salvation, to feel like the things in our past make us unworthy of God. There's no help for you in God. That's the way he wants us to feel. And in all of that, Jesus Christ stands victorious, saying that we have been forgiven. We're God's children. The price has been paid, and we're saved. And David knew that too. In Matthew, we see them hurling similar insults at our Messiah, Jesus. Matthew 27, 40 through 43. And saying, you destroy the temple and build it in three days. Save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also mocking with the scribes and elders said, he saved others, himself he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. They mocked Christ like they mocked David. Of course, David deserved because he was a sinner. Christ was sinless and perfect, but that's the beauty of the gospel. He didn't come down from the cross. For you, for me, you have to understand, Jesus was perfect and without sin, didn't deserve any of it, any of the pain, any of the suffering. He never had to come and become a man in the first place. And at any time, these who were mocking him, nailing him to a cross and so on, he could have wiped them out. In fact, if he wanted to, he would have been justified and would have been fully powerful enough to destroy the entire universe with a word if he wanted to, but he didn't. He bore the shame of the cross 
for the glory that was and the joy that was set before him, that is you, that you might come to know him. Many are our sins that are brought to our attention, sometimes by ourselves, because we refuse to live in the joy of our own forgiveness. Let's not do that. And sometimes they come from other people, bringing up our past. That's what David's facing here. But the Lord Jesus Christ has defeated sin and death and hell, and I am saved because I called on his name, and you are saved if you've called on his name, and you don't have to live in that anymore. Any shimmyi who wants to throw rocks and curse you got nothing on you because you're saved and because the price has already been paid and you've been washed in the blood of Jesus. Psalm 33, the next verse. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. God is our shield all around us. We live in a fallen world. We know that. Every one of you knows that we live in a fallen world. But we've got a job to do, right? we got a commission. We have the authority of Jesus delegated to us to make disciples for him, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them all that he has commanded. We teach his disciples. We're disciples. We make disciples. They make disciples. That is our commission. And it says, he is with us always, even to the end of the age. Amen. That's what it says. Because he's a shield around us. Yeah, the world's fallen. Uh Uh-huh. It's true. There are dangers and troubles and persecutions and heartbreak and sorrows and enemies and all of that. That's true. But God is our shield. He's our shield. He's our protector. He's the protector of all things for us, physically and spiritually, and he will protect us. Listen, we don't take one breath. You do not have a single breath that you have ever taken, but by his grace. But by his grace, we can do nothing without him. But in him, we can do all things. Listen to this. John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Listen, David knows who he is and he knows who God is. He knows that he was made in the image and likeness of God, that he's forgiven, that he's free, free from sin, free from fear, free from the fear of death. He knows that. God is our shield. We do not have to fear anything. We are surrounded by the shield that God is for us. And here's the thing. Listen, God has not forgotten about you. If you feel like that sometimes... I don't feel like I have a shield around me. God has not forgotten about you. He knows every hair in your head and every thought in your head. And he knows those things because he cares about you. There would be no other reason. You don't have to fear anything because God has determined the days of your life. Listen, God is sovereign. He has determined beforehand all that he has made you to do, all that he is gonna give you to do. Every day that your life is going to be, you don't need to worry about it. He's got it, and he's good. He's given you a mission, and he's given you a calling, and he's given you the gifts to fulfill that mission and that calling in his power, not in your own. 
Listen to the first verse of Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Nobody. Nobody. We are not to be afraid. We fear nobody, not because we're strong, but because God is. God is strong. He made everything. He made everything. He made you in his image and likeness. He has a reason for everything, including you. Sometimes you feel like, what is the reason for me? It's a great and glorious reason. There's a reason for you. We have been set apart to work for the king of kings. We're his. We're his. It's an amazing thing to be set apart to work for the king of kings. We get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. All things. What do you have to fear? Nothing. Who shall you be afraid of? No one. Next, the psalm tells us that God lifts our head. How amazing is that? That's amazing. We, as people, we get ashamed, afraid, frustrated, full of sorrow, grief. We struggle, and God says, you're my child, and lifts up your head. He lifts up your head, that we might look at him and look to his face and be comforted completely. Look, I don't know how many times Counting-wise, I've had to, to have God lift up my head, but I'll tell you this. I don't know what God is doing in your life personally right this minute or, or lately, but I can tell you this. I cannot get through a day, a day, without having to go to God and have him lift up my head. I cannot go through a day without seeking earnestly his comfort because things come up. Things are difficult. It's often the thing that I'm upset about that I wait as long as I do sometimes to look to him and to have him raise my head because he does it every single time, every single time. No matter what I go through, no matter how dark the night, no matter how much anxiousness is in my body, no matter what the obstacle, no matter what somebody has said or what I'm facing or what has to be done, every single time he comforts me and lifts up my head. Every single time, and he will for you too. That I might look at his face and my fears go away. Verse four, I cried to the Lord with my voice and he heard me from his holy hill. Selah. I cried to the Lord with my voice. And he heard me from his holy hill. Have you ever tried to cry out to the Lord? Hopefully you all pray to God regularly. But sometimes our prayers become kind of rote, kind of um, standard. Lord, thank you for the food. God, help my car to start this morning. That can be more of a cry sometimes, depending on how late I'm getting. Whatever it is, right? But they can become kind of rote. And yeah, we should be praying for those things. Absolutely, we should thank God for the food. Obviously, I've done that many times this morning. But the, no, I haven't eaten many times this morning. Um, we should thank God. We should, we should pray to God. But crying out to God, whether in praise or in need, is something deeper and needed by the Christ follower. You need to be crying out to God. When my kids were young. If they were in trouble or scared or there was something difficult going on or whatever, they weren't quiet about it. They wouldn't say, hey, dad, if you have time and you can get around to it, um, I'm floating into the deep end and going to die. 
So if you, if you have time, whatever, come to me. That's not what they did. They said, help, daddy, help. They cried out because it was serious. They recognized there was a problem and they needed help. There are times when that needs to be the cry of our heart. We have to recognize our utter inability to face the troubles of this world without God. Utter inability to face the troubles of the world without God. Without me, you can do nothing. In Christ, we can do all things. We are not able by ourselves, in our own power. It's a tough thing right now in our world, in this area where we live in the Northwest, but generally in the United States and the Western world, we're pretty wealthy compared to the rest of the world. Some of you may be like, I'm not that wealthy. Well, come to Honduras with me. You might change your mind. Compared to the most of the world, we're pretty wealthy. And because of that, we get this idea that we got a lot of strength. We can solve that problem with the bank account, or we can solve that problem with our uh, relative power or the job that we have or the whatever, things are going well. You know, we're very focused on exercise and making our bodies strong and whatever. We're very, we're very into our own strength. And because of that, people have a hard time sometimes looking to God because they're under the illusion they have strength until all that goes away, until they get cancer, until their wife or their husband is gonna leave and their family is going to come apart until they lose that job and that money and that status that they thought was so important. When those illusions are taken away, that's for the first time for some people when they might actually cry out to God. But here's the thing. If you recognize that all those things are an illusion, that you are 100% dependent on God all the time, maybe you cry out a little bit more because that's where we need to be. We have to believe that God hears us, that he loves us, that he will help us, we cry out to him, God, please help me, Daddy. Help me. I need help. He knows. You need to know that too. Even if things seem like they're going great, you will not be sustained another moment without him. We also cry out in praise to him. That's why we lift our voices singing to him when we get together. We don't just say, hey, will you stand up and whatever, just because it's some sort of tradition of like standing up and sitting down and whatever. It's not your daily calisthenics. We do it. The reason we raise our hands, the reason we raise our voices is because we're crying out to him in praise for all that he has already done and all that he's promised he will do and for who he is. We cry out in praise. Just like we cry out in need, we should be doing both. First, we cry out in need. He, he, he comes and he helps us. He lifts our head and we cry out in praise. That's who we are because we're passionate people. Christ followers are passionate people. This isn't a game. This is our life. This isn't just a place we come. This is who we are. We're the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ, the creator of all things. Through him, all things were created, and you are his body on this earth. We're passionate about that. We're going to cry out. We're going to cry out. And he listens to us. So pray. Pray to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord because he hears you. And Christ followers, listen, you have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit in you. When you cry out to the Lord, the evil one runs because he knows that daddy's coming. When you cry out to the Lord, anyone who has any sense will stop being your enemy because the God of the universe is your friend and your king and your father and your friend. All of those things. All of those things. 
God on our side makes all the difference, and our prayer is that you are living in the peace and hope that comes from knowing Him. As always, if you have any questions or comments about today's episode, or we can help you find Jesus, call us at 360-885-9000, or send us an email, use info at axchurchnw.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll check out part two for more with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.